This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 1912 Exiles podcast, the original, the first Newport County podcast made by fans for the fans. I'm Jack, your host, the owner and administrator of For My Sins, We Are Exiles.net, the Newport County unofficial forum. Okay, so what have we got? A very special preview episode for the big FA Cup tie. Against who? Against United, of course. Which United? Manchester United. When? Sunday, 28th of January. Have you got your ticket yet? Did you get frostbite in the queue? Are you investing in a big ladder to lean up against the fence on Rodney Road? Are you offering the man a lot of money to jump on his uh, quickly erected scaffolding outside his front room, standing on that, just to get a view of uh, a single half of football? Anyway, miraculously, the podcast crew have all managed to secure a gold ticket. And for all of you... I hope that you've got them. If not, well, we'll try and give you the full report, the full feeling of that FA Cup tie. We're acutely conscious, by the way, that there's also the Wrexham game to discuss, but we wanted to cynically capitalise on the extra interest about United games. So we've created this big preview show with the plan that we'll do a feature-length episode afterwards to discuss both the Cup match and the Wrexham game. But before we get to business, I just want to thank this week's Ko-Fi contributors who've all chipped in the price of a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a cup of whatever you like to help with our running costs. So that's Kieran, Mark Williams, Alan Cooper. Give yourself a massive pat on the back. Thank you so, so much. If you'd like to support what we do, then there's a link in the show notes. And as always, if you can't chip in, that's fine. But please recommend us to a friend or leave us a nice review. Anyway, to business. By sheer chance, two of our regulars managed to actually get together in the real world rather than over Zoom. Ed was in London for work and afterwards retreated to a typical pub with Jamie Harris to discuss that Man United game and what it might mean. Let's listen into that conversation and hear how they got on. Uh, hello all, welcome to the South, welcome to the Big Smoke. Jamie here, I'm a, one of my 
all-time favourite pubs in London, the Middleton Arms in Angel. Uh, it's a cosy little number, hidden away a little bit, um, perfect for a winter Guinness next to a fireplace. It's uh, yeah, warms the cockles of your soul. I'm actually joined by the good doctor, Ed Bridges. Ed, how you doing? I'm all right. I'm trying to resist the temptation to do the Newport thing of going how much for a pint. But apart from that, no, the, the, the beer's good. It's a nice vibe. I don't know where this fits on your like massive spreadsheet of pubs, but um, I'm, I'm quite impressed. This is, this is nice. It's sort of the happy medium between like Tiny Rebel and the Murringer. You know, it's, it's a little bit trendy and hipstery, but it's also got a, a nice relaxed old man vibe that I, I respect. Lighting plays a huge part in what makes a good pub, and they've just got the. It's, it's, it's dim enough that you know you, you can't see every single crevice of someone's face, but it's not dark enough that you can't see where you're walking. So I think they've got it absolutely spot on. Um, but yeah, uh, those uh, wondering five ninety five for a pint of Guinness, which is genuinely quite normal in North London these days. I mean, there's a few things we can talk about, but I think the one thing we should probably be talking about is the fourth round of the FA Cup. We're recording this in the aftermath of our replay victory at Eastleigh. And, you know, by all accounts, yeah, we got the job done professionally um, without too much of a a fuss, too much of a scare. Ed, it felt to me like a bit like the previous round of Barnet, where we had the, the... the sort of troubles in the home game we didn't get the job done although I think Barnet probably were the better side um, in the home game of Rodney Parade but the replay like, we didn't really have any problems like, I was at the Barnet game and it was just thoroughly professional we, we you know, scored three goals on the break very quickly and, and it was, wasn't a problem and this one as well it felt like you know, from the highlights from what we heard from the radio commentary it felt like yeah we were just like that step above Eastleigh on the, on the night in the end yeah, it's a professional job, wasn't it? We easily had us on the back foot towards the end of the home leg, but the early goal definitely helped at the Silver Lake Stadium. Uh, even after the equaliser, I wasn't too worried. I just felt like we had enough. We had enough quality. They probably just lacked that little bit of extra quality in the final third, and and yeah, we were good value for it. We were quite ruthless, actually, which we haven't always been under Coughlin. We certainly weren't in the first leg when we had loads of opportunities and spurned them. Second leg, you know, the Clark header, Evans's finish was great. Um, I think we just, we managed to find the extra gear, was how I would look at it. We didn't quite find it in the first leg, or didn't quite have the quality to put it away in the first leg, but... Yeah, we, we found the extra gear in the second leg, in the replay, I should say. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, we deserve to, to go through. And in fairness, the Eastleigh manager, the Eastleigh fans on their forum all said the same thing. We were the better side on the night. And yeah, we got our just rewards. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was a good tie in the end. Uh, enjoyed it. And yeah, credit to, credit to Eastleigh as well. Um, so obviously, I think, don't need, really need to say it, uh, next round, Manchester United at home. Uh, we've never played Manchester United in our history. One of the few clubs we've never played. Um, so, looking at this match, sort of in relation to sort of previous cup runs, I mean, how are you seeing it? You know, obviously we've welcomed the likes of what Brighton, Leicester, Leeds, Middlesbrough, Tottenham, Man City, all to Rodney Parade in the FA Cup in recent seasons. Um, I've not even mentioned the League Cup matches. But what are your overall feelings about the prospects of sort of Manchester United coming to play more generally? Well, listen, I mean, the two clubs are separated by 80-odd 
league places, but the distance between them in terms of finances and history is even more colossal. And, you know, I think we're going to try and plug this episode partly to Man United fans who want to find out a bit about Newport County. So, you know, let's let's get into it. You've only got to back, go back one generation or so and Newport County were playing in the very, very lowest reaches of non-league football having been forced to reform following bankruptcy play over the border in England due to a legal wrangle with the Football Association of Wales but we've battled and worked hard restored our status as a football league club and alright we are not the most glamorous club in the world but we're now an established fourth division side with a proud recent history of cup runs and and I guess this is the point you know, we have shown that we can occasionally upset the form book against sides from the top flights. And to get to the point where we've got probably one of the biggest clubs in the country at home is really exciting. And there's a real buzz around the place. You know, I, I'm a bit closer to it than, than you are down in London. And even in Cardiff, where I live, I dropped my kids off at school on the Wednesday morning and I had three people come up to me at the school gate saying, can you get us a ticket? Can you get us a ticket? You know, so there's a proper buzz around the place. And I think it's definitely one of those that piques people's interest in the club, including those who perhaps aren't normally coming through the gates of Rodney Bray. Suddenly there's people who are taking interest in us who otherwise might not be. And, you know, we can all, we all want to make sure that the, the whatever it is, 8,000 Newport fans who get into the game a week Sunday are proper Newport fans. But you also want us to grow the fan base, right? We all want to, to have that. So it's this sort of game that helps us to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think the fact that you know, we're all forgetting about the Wrexham game uh, at the weekend, we're recording this before the Wrexham game, obviously that's a sellout yeah, prior to the, the new stand, yeah, the temporary stand coming in. Um, it might still be there for the Swindon game the week after. Like, There's three massive home games in, in the space of a fortnight, which is, um, yeah, it, it, it feels like really big time for the club. I mean, speaking of that, do you feel like all of those ties, you know, the, the FA Cup games, they've happened to be at home? I, I just feel that adds to the allure, doesn't it? Yeah, listen. People, uh, someone said to me earlier, oh, do you not wish you'd been drawn away for the money um, that you get from a game at Old Trafford? And you think, no, have them at home. Try Give yourself the best possible chance of beating them. It's something that really strikes me, that if you talk to any fan of a lowly club or a non-league club and you ask them to rattle off, what are your three favourite games, your five favourite games? They will often be memories of either cup upsets or nearly cup upsets you know I've, I've said before I think on the pod my favourite Newport game was nearly beating Spurs at Rodney Bray alright we didn't do it but we came bloody close to it and that's that's what it's about you know I don't want to go and get a big payday at Old Trafford although I won't say no to it if we get it in the replay I want us to have them at home best chance of winning all the media there sensing the chance of an upset that's what it's all about Rodney Bray being packed having to build the extra temporary stands I think that's the, like you say it's part of the allure it's the thing I think that has also dragged more people through the gates at Rodney Parade is you know this is our home it gives us that sense of because you know we've only been playing at Rodney Parade for whatever it is 12 years or so but part of the reason it feels like home is because we've got so many t- stories to tell from from cup games so um, yeah, I think it's I think it's wonderful. I can't wait for it. Yeah, those home games are just magic, isn't it? Um, yeah, I I live very close to the Emirates Stadium, and you know, if we get an away game, I'm like Arsenal away would be phenomenal just because I can walk to the walk to the stadium. 
but the home games just that that just weird bit of like odd magic you have the Spurs game with the random purple sky it was just like it was just it was just such a bizarre day yeah before we get on to the, the whole upset and, and the chances of an upset because yeah there's still a chance there um, it's, it's a silly question by pondering this does the makeup of our, our squad like impact that, that chance of an upset at all yeah because I look back on most of those games that we mentioned the Spurs game Man City game with a lot of fondness um, but with the feeling that we kind of looking back we had a really decent side there we had two striking you know maybe the, the year we had like Podge and Jamil Matt up top we really had like that goal threat we had like a solid bat line we had like Labadee like he was like being picked out for the Spurs game it's like you know doing a Gerard bossing the midfield that kind of thing Robbie Wilmot's TV switch that kind of all of that kind of thing it felt like we had that squad but like this season squad I and this isn't a you know to discredit them at all but I don't have the same feelings about them but I'm just wondering whether that's just my nostalgia hat saying on there what do you feel about sort of you know Coco and the squad's ability to sort of raise their game for this sort of match what I think is quite nice is you look at the the years when we had those great cup runs we had a team of and this is slightly a generalisation but grizzled older pros you know the likes of Labadee and so on I think this team is a slightly different makeup. It's a, a team of slightly cocky old heads on young shoulders. You know, I'm thinking particularly of people like Will Evans, who he's adapted very quickly to life as a, a league footballer. And you see that throughout the squad. You know, there's there's club there's players who, yeah, there's there's a little bit of youthful exuberance to them, but there's also a sense of knowing their purpose knowing their role in the team Coco has, has brought that out to them magnificently I think everyone knows their job in that team and yeah that kind of sense of belief sense of purpose I think shows through and I've talked before about the other thing that impresses me is that we've got probably a disproportionately young squad for the for the division we're in but they're all very sensible and grounded and articulate and I think that stands you in quite good stead in, in games like this as well you know they're all intelligent young men and they know what an opportunity this is I loved seeing Nathan Wood this week tweeting about you know he's a boy of Man United fan tweeting pictures of him at Old Trafford you know it's his his boyhood team that he supported against the team that he went through the academy at and I think they know what a great opportunity this is partly for those who maybe want to put themselves in uh, in the public eye in the run to the transfer window or in the transfer window <laughs> but also for those who just are like this this might be as good as it gets in my career and yeah you want them to take that opportunity and to not get overawed by it and to really make the most of the day I don't feel like they're going to be overawed by it I feel like they'll maybe rise to the occasion um, speaking of people who rise to the occasion I find it really weird that we're talking about an FA Cup um, you know fourth round fifth round matches and Michael Flynn isn't involved uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's he was the focus of attention for you know these big cup matches for for years. Yeah, um, how do you think you know Cocker is actually going to approach this game? Do you think? Do you think he's he's thinking about you know the, the games that we had against yeah better opposition? Like I said, but how do you think Cocker is going to approach it? He's already said that he feels like uh, this game is the biggest club, a uh, biggest match in the club's history. Um, it, I don't know. I, I just feel like he, he's a bit more pragmatic than Flinney at times, particularly in the press. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure I agree with the biggest game in the club's history because I think, you know, you look at some of the games we've had in the recent past, Man City, I think, was clearly bigger than this. You, you know, you can argue about it. This is up there. It's in it's in them general areas, isn't it, of being one of the biggest games in the club history. In terms of how he'll approach it, I mean, he was slightly overawed by it because he talked quite interestingly about how he was a, 
a Man United fan as a, a, a younger man uh, growing up in Ireland. So I think he will be pragmatic, um, but he might surprise, th- surprise us a little bit. You know, we've, we talked earlier in the season about how in some of the games when we've come up against the, the quote-unquote very strong teams in the division, he threw a surprise at them. So Stockport, you know, we started with three up front. Um, we probably won't be able to do that against Man United because of injuries, but I think he will try to 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 challenge them. They will turn up and expect us to, you know, park the bus and play for a replay. I think Cochran might try and give them something to think about. He won't give them exactly what they're expecting. And I've got so much respect for the way he's kind of built this squad, built the mentality and he seems to get the best out of them. So they'll be fired up and, and ready, but I think he'll also keep them fairly grounded as well about about the game and you know make sure they go out and do what they're good at rather than getting overawed by the occasion finally um now we don't have ian here and we don't have the likes of Stu or ollie to wheel out the tactics truck but yeah for the for the man united fans who might be listening what what can manchester united actually expect from from i mean you mentioned you, you mentioned a couple of uh, areas there but like where might newport actually exploits some of uh, Manchester United weaknesses I'm thinking it's the fullbacks in my mind I'm thinking Lewis Payne Adam Lewis will probably start that game as well I feel that's where our strength is rather than through the middle I don't know what your thoughts are Ed. yeah I mean we've tended to, to use those wing backs as the creative outlet the the midfield three tend to be more there to kind of block rather than to create although you know Will dig or wait or whoever you know may may end up doing that, but mostly it's been the uh, the fullbacks. I think that's still the case. That's where our creativity lies. Um, but like I say, we may we may get a surprise on the day. And the great thing about surprises is you don't know they're coming. Yeah, and and finally, aside from the result, you know, I'm not we're not going to do predictions here. Um, oh, go on. Then. All right, fine, we'll do predictions. Ed, what's your prediction for the game? everyone's going to expect Man United to win it and we were saying earlier you play this game 10 times Man United probably win 9 of them because they are the bigger club they've got some fantastic players but the point is they are a big club they have got some talented players but they're not magic you know this is um, it's 11 versus 11 on the day these are human beings the great thing about football is that if Newport County take their chances and Man United don't we win the game you know football's not just about money if it was we'd sit at home at 3 o'clock on a Saturday and look at clubs annual accounts we don't do that because sometimes the little guy can beat the big guy so I'm I'm going to choose to believe I mean you know this isn't a great Man United side alright they're probably still a, a stronger team than, than Newport County but if we get an early chance get an early goal they lose their discipline lose their focus lose their shape why not? Let's let's believe. Let's let's have that that ability to dare to dream a little bit. I'm going to say one nil, and whatever happens, let's enjoy the day. You know, at the start of the season, we were talking about Christ. Can this squad avoid relegation? And I think we said we probably could do, but it was going to be a long, hard, slightly miserable struggle. Well, listen, we're on course for a mid-table-ish finish. We've got Man United in the fourth round of the Cup. We've sold out two home games in a row. I, I don't think anyone in living memory can recall the last time that happened. So let's enjoy the day. Let's believe that we might just do it. And, and let's give them all the support we can to make it happen. Something's bubbling. 
there's something weird going on this week. Please, yeah, play this back to me next week after the result. But I feel like there's a two-one. There's just an odd Sunday. You know, it'll be it'll be dark by the time we kick off. Sunday evening, atmosphere BBC One. It'll be raucous. It'll just be just wild. I, I feel two-one or a replay because I can't make the replay date, so it's going to be a replay. Um, but yeah, I just feel so. I don't know, energized by this, and I, I, you know, I know people are like, "Oh, it's just the FA Cup; it doesn't matter." It does matter. Yeah, it really does matter. Um, and I'm, I for one, am so excited about it. Fantastic stuff. Well, that's the view from the south, according to Doctor Ed and award-winning journalist Jamie Harris. But what is the view from the north? You ask. Well, there's only one man for that job, and it's our man on the beat, Northern Beat. Ian Street, who typically zoomed out to give us the historical context, of course. Lots of people have been asking whether next weekend is the biggest game in our history. Our very own historian, Ian, is unconvinced. Let's hear why. Welcome to the north. Um, And today, really, really, really north, as I'm in basically the furthest north in England you can get, as I'm in Berwick-upon-Tweed, and I'm... Staying in a house on the walls, looking out as I speak onto the uh, the River Tweed, which is gently lapping past my window as I look out. Three incredible bridges spanning the Tweed. Very historic place. Um, and talking of history, I just thought I'd um, drop a quick note in because obviously we've got the uh, the big cup game coming up against Man United. And I think uh, Coco was saying this is the biggest game we've ever played, I think, or something of that ilk. And I was thinking, is it? Is it the biggest game we've ever played? Um, we know Coco's a, a, a United fan, isn't he? So, you know, he, he's going to think they're a big club and all the rest of it. But but and obviously they are, you know. But a big name, does that necessarily mean it's a big game? You know, if we're going for name on name only, then, you know, United are probably probably the biggest side we've played, aren't they? In, in, in probably ever, or certainly in a very, very long time. Um, global reach and all the rest of it. Um, but biggest game, I'm not sure. And I just had a, you know, I'm riffing off the top of my head here, so I don't have a computer in front of me or stats or anything like that. So Reese will probably put me right. But just thinking back, um, and maybe for some of the younger fans might not know some of all these. So, you know, back right back in the day, a long time before my before my days, we we got to the fifth round, I think, and played down at Pompey, um, who who in them days, you know, were were a massive side. I think we did. Um, I think we did. We played away at Spurs as well when they were. Um, you know, again, a matter is still a big side, but they were a massive side. So they, they were huge games, and I think possibly in the fourth or fifth round they were. So that's arguably, the further you go, does it make it a bigger game? Then, of course, we knocked West Ham out in the third round in 1980, if my memory serves. And then in the mid-80s, we or early to mid-80s, we drew Everton at home. Now, people might be thinking, oh, Everton, you know, but they were, I would argue, they were a bigger side than United at that time because, you know, in the 80s, United hadn't won a league title since 1967 and it was a while before they got going again and, um, you know, Fergie took them over and they became the dominant force in the sort of 80s, that they, in the 90s, sorry, they became. You know, but the 80s was ruled by Merseyside, wasn't it? Liverpool and Everton, who were winning league titles, European Cup Winners' Cup, um, you know, FA Cups. You know, they were a massive side to, to, to draw. I was at that game, we drew 1-1 at Summerton. We took the lead 
I thought, we've got it. And then a late, fairly late Kevin Sheedy uh, hit and hoper went in. I went up to the replay at, at Goodison and, and we got beaten, but we gave a good account of ourselves. And they, you know, that was against a proper, proper good side then. Um, and then, of course, springing it further forward, we've had Spurs again, haven't we? Gave them a, gave them a good run, you know, beating Leeds, beating Leicester, um, beating Borough. And of course, you know, United's, United's noisy neighbours, City, very recently when we had them in the fifth round, wasn't it? So you, again, you could argue that. That was a bigger tie, you, you could argue. But if we're talking cup games, which we are at a minute, then surely, surely the Carlsai-Giena game in the European Cup Winners Cup quarterfinal um, was a bigger game. Um, I know we're putting temporary stands up and all the rest of it, but there was 18,000 in Somerton that day. Um, I was there at that incredible occasion. You know, and, and to, for younger fans now to think, you know, to have a think about Newport being in the quarterfinal of a European a European Cup, European tournament. Pretty mind-boggling when you think about it. But we have been, we were, plenty of us were lucky enough to see that. So that, surely from a cup game point of view, is the biggest, the biggest game, I reckon. But big games aren't just about cups, are they? I would argue that the playoff final was a, the biggest game, uh, certainly the most important game in many a year. And of course, what about the great escape? You know, the, the, the final game against Notts County was, you know, epic in every way. But I would argue that many of the games in that run, once we started picking up a little bit of momentum and picking up a bit of belief, it was like, oh my God, we could, we could, we could do this. And like every game, I remember coming back from, from Leeds, I think, I think it was Yeovil we played and scraped to 1-0 or something like that. And that might have been, it might have been the gate, the, the, the week after we got tramped 6-1, I think it was down at Plymouth. And I think that game, that Plymouth game, we thought, oh, why, well, all hopes have been extinguished. We must win the next, the next game, you know, to, to keep the, to give us any chance. I came down, I, th- I think it was Yeovil and we beat them 1-0 and, you're thinking, wow, you know, we, we still might get out of this. And of course we did. So everything in that run um, was astonishing, really. But this is just a personal choice. I'm personally riffing off, off games here. Um, the biggest one for me was 1983, Cardiff City at home in the league uh, on Easter Monday. That That's the biggest. We had... Sixteen and a half thousand shoed shoe on into Summerton that that day. Eleven o'clock kickoff. First time we played them at home, and I think it was thirty odd years. We beat them one nil to go top of the uh, the old third division. So you know, division one as it now is, but the old third division. Um, and we thought we're going up. We're going up into what's now the championship. You know, then was League Two. But you know, again, think of that. You know, we've been bottling around the the, the lower divisions for a long time. We're on our way up. We're on our way up. Unfortunately, we lost out on the last game of the season, and that was a turning point in our in our history, really. And but for a, for a brief moment, when you saw Summerton absolutely heaving, you know, put one over on your local the local derby and local rivals, um, incredibly anticipated game. You know, as long as I've got a memory, as long as I can keep your functions going, that will live long in the memory for me. So while I'm while I'm incredibly excited about the United game, it's brilliant. It's a free hit. It's going to be fabulous. Um, personally, I think there's been bigger games that we've played. But don't get me wrong, I am looking forward to the United match. I'm sure everyone is as well. And I'd really welcome other people to chip in. You know what what's our, what's been our biggest game, or even what's been the biggest game for you? Because I think sometimes it's about personal memories, isn't it? And it's about you know, a big game for you might might have been, you know, you're playing against you know, like the team that your dad supported, it was, it was a different team or something like that. So I'd love to love to you know get in touch with us um, on the 1912 through the Twitter and stuff and let us know what's your biggest game you've seen for the county. 
Anyway, it might be the occasion where the whole pod is physically in Newport at the same time, which I think it will be a first. So, yeah, hope you enjoyed this little little snippet from the uh, shores of the River Tweed, and we'll be with you again soon from the shores of the River Usk. Cheers, everybody. Ah, uh, yes, you can always rely on Ian to bring some much-needed perspective to matters, can't you? I think I think we're sitting together for the United game, and, uh, well, we'll be recreating the bromance, won't we, from the... The Football Supporters Association podcast. That bit of carnage. So if anyone in the Hazel stand can supply us with free canapes and glasses of champagne, that'd be great. That's, I mean, that's what we're used to. But anyway, what about our opponents for that match? Well, Ed managed to snare an opposition preview from no question about that podcast, a Manchester United podcast with 70,000 followers on Twitter. As you'll hear... Ed professes his ignorance about top-flight football and gets some insights on our opponents. Over to you, Ed. Yeah, so I'm joined by uh, Ed Barker. Um, it's very tempting to make a two Eds is better than one sort of joke. But uh, yeah, welcome to the pod, Ed. And uh, thanks for asking me to come and join you, Ed. What were your thoughts when you saw the draw for the fourth round of the FA Cup and you saw Man United away to Eastley or Newport? What was your, what was your initial reaction? I was actually really pleased, and it's nothing to do with supposedly easier chance of going through or anything like that. It's just been a while since United have had a... Well, we haven't had many away draws for a start. We've got 12 home draws in a row uh, until Wigan, but haven't had a sort of side from lower down the leagues for ages. I think it's Yeovil was the last one, and that was just after Alexis Sanchez had signed for United. And he scored in that one, and we were like, oh, maybe he's good, turned out. He wasn't. Uh, this is what the FA Cup's about, isn't it? Yeah, and like you say, it's, it's a new ground to tick off. Uh, I, I don't think the two clubs have met before. Were you were you watching the the kind of replay closely to see which of the teams you would end up with? Did you have a preference for Eastley or Newport? Didn't have a preference. I, I mean, it's there's you know, a level of romance to both, isn't there? And intrigue, and uh, obviously Eastley a division or maybe two below Newport. Just the one. Just the one. Yeah. Just the just the one. Is it? Yeah. And they're very interesting groundies sleep. There's not much of it. So, no, I, I didn't have a preference. I, ju- I just think it's uh, it's good for the competition, this kind of thing. I, I had a chat with um, Radio Manchester after the draw was made, and they were trying to get me and an Eastleigh fan to set out why our uh, city and town were with a more attractive draw. And I was saying, well, you know, Newport's got it all. It's, it's, firstly, it's a like, direct train ride from Manchester, so it's much easier yeah. to get to. And, yeah, I think I was able to make the case that Man United fans will have a much better day out in Newport than they probably will in, in Eastley. I think the, the the poor Eastley fan, I think the most interesting thing you could find to say about Eastley was that it's near to Southampton Airport, which um, I'm not sure is the, the <laughs> thing that re- people are really looking for. Well, look, uh, Newport's like a fantastic history as well. You know, ob- obviously, uh, you know, more than 100 years old and and then the rebirth in, well, when was it? Late 80s or something? 89, yeah. yeah, yeah. 89, that's it, right. Um, and yeah, big supporter base there. I, I think it's great, and then you know, and and and, and like none of this should be kind of patronising. This is the cup, right? You're supposed to have this disparity between levels and size of clubs and all of that. That's what the FA Cup is about, and and uh, you know, it should be a great day for everyone. Yeah, I mean, you know, there is the romance of the cup, but I, I sometimes wonder whether that flows one way. You know, from a Man United point of view, is it a cup that you're taking particularly seriously this year? Do you think yeah. that you will stick out of kind of first choice team? Yeah, yeah. I, well, look, two two things. Yeah, it's really it's important for the club just uh, have some success. Won the Carabao Cup last year, it was first trophy in six years. Made the FA Cup final, got 
battered by that lot down the road. And uh, it's just important to continue the positivity around the club that's come from the sort of partial takeover. Yeah. Uh, Ten Hag needs it. He's in a lot of trouble at the moment. He may not. He'll, he'll survive the season, but he may not survive past the summer. So he needs it. And he has this tendency to put out very strong sides all of the time. Doesn't like rotating much. So I think it will be a pretty strong side. And, and not least because there's a lot of injuries at the moment. Few people coming back from injury recently who will need minutes. Uh, so, you know, players like uh, Sandro Martinez, Casemiro, need, need the time. Mason Mount may or may not be back, not sure by then. Um, and there's just not much left in the squad for rotation. So, it, like, whatever way you look at it, it's going to be a strong side. Yeah, well, I was going to ask about that because, I mean, we don't expect that many Man United fans are going to know a huge amount about Newport County, but equally, you might be surprised how little attention fans of fourth division clubs like Newport pay to clubs in the top flight. And right. I was thinking, you know, apart from like Marcus Rashford, Harry Maguire, Bruno Fernandes, I'm not sure I could name loads of Man United players. So, you know, like fill in the blanks for us for those yeah. who maybe aren't paying attention. Like, who are the people who you think we need to be watching closely on Sunday? Okay, so there's there's the established players that have been around for a while. So Marcus Rashford, Bruno Fernandes, um, as you mentioned, Luke Shaw's been at the club for a long time. You'll probably know from England. Uh, and then there's a few of the newer players who've who've come in the last two seasons. So the goalkeeper is now a guy called Andre Anana. He's a Cameroonian international away at Afcon at the moment. He's had a rocky relationship with Rigobert Song, the the manager of Cameroon. He's in and out of the squad. Uh, he he came ostensibly because he's he's a good footballer. He can uh, he's good with his feet, and we've seen that he is a really good passer. We're not sure whether he's actually good with his hands, which is kind of important when you're a keeper. And so he, he's had a tough start to his life at United. Made a few mistakes, especially in the Champions League. Um, there's some other players you'll know. Uh, Rafa Varane was at Real Madrid for a long time. Uh, he's in and out of the team partly because he can't stay fit and partly because he lost his place to Harry Maguire, who's now injured. Uh, Harry Maguire, you'll know, of course, from, yeah. from England and so on. <laughs> from England and from memes on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, he's had a better season this season than last season. He's made a bit of a comeback. Uh, and um, and then um, uh, you may know Aaron Wan-Bazaka. He came in this huge, huge deal from Crystal Palace. Hasn't really fulfilled his promise, I'd say. He's, he's a kind of a bit of a one-dimensional player. Great defender, pretty bad attacker. And then in midfield, there's players like Casemiro, who you'll know, Mason Mount, who's not fit at the moment and not been fit for most of the season, um, may or may not be back. Um, there's a new kid called Kobe Mainu, who's come out of the academy. He's 18 years old. He's better than all all of them. He's he's the best midfielder we've got, just very, very mature. I, I, I mean, he may not have enough time, but I really would not be surprised if he doesn't feature in the England reckoning soon enough. He's just naturally very high quality uh, and then in for, forward areas um, obviously Marcus we mentioned there's another kid called Alejandro Garnacho he's from Argentina he actually came out of the Atletico Madrid uh, Academy uh, a couple of years ago and he's made a made breakthrough into the team last season but has really made his mark this season he's now established uh, in one of the forward wide forward areas. And then our main striker now is a guy called Rasmus Hoyland, who's Danish. He's a young kid, came for a, an extraordinarily large amount of money, like 70 million quid, which 
he's not really justified yet. I think there's the raw materials there. Feels like a lot of money to spend on a, someone who's like a work in progress. But yeah, there you go. So I think that's the main bolt of the team by anyone's standards, but especially by League Two standards. It's just a, a shockingly large amount of money has been spent on this squad. Whereas fans were always looking at it going, I'm not sure that it was really worth it because it's not a great United team at the moment. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, it's definitely going to be, there'll be all the cliches about, you know, the Man United team has been bought from M&S and White Tros and, you know, Newport Counties has been pulled out the, the bins around the back of Audis. But ultimately on the day, it's, it's 11 versus 11. And, uh, I think there's some quality in the Newport County team, but there are weaknesses as well. And I mean, have you, have you had a chance to kind of read much about Newport County? Have you got any sort of expectation of what you might be up against? I scrolled through the wiki and asked ChatGPT to give me a summary report on <laughs> Newport County. So I, I have a sense and that, you know, I kind of follow um, as much as I can, like stuff around ownership because it's, it's an interest of mine. So I know it's like, uh, you know, fairly recently been bought. I, I think I'm right saying it's been bought out by the fans and that's fan owned. as a. As so it was fan owned and now the fans have taken the decision to sell a majority stake to oh, okay. Jenkins, who oh. was the former owner of um, Swansea City. So yes. Um, we've taken the step away from fan ownership. I think a lot of us didn't feel great about that, but you know, certainly at the time in the summer, ultimately it wasn't sustainable. Ironically, had we known that we were going to have you know Monday night in the cup and sold out games against Wrexham and everything else, we might have uh, held on for a bit longer. But I think there's there is a lot of positivity and excitement about the fact that we've got uh, an owner who not just brings with him money, but actually you know he brought Swansea from the fourth division up to the top flight and got them into Europe and everything else and so he's someone who knows how to build up a club from yeah. um, from the bottom so I think it, it is an exciting time to be a Newport County fan games like uh, next weekend's I think really really add to that you know we we've got a good cup pedigree but it's been a few years since we last had a really plum tie and I think this has given a, a sense of focus to uh, to the fans in the city yeah well, I, I mean, I suppose from a financial point of view, this is actually I haven't looked at the TV schedule. Is it has it been selected for a broadcast game? Yeah, so it's on BBC, and I think right. the, the the maths works out that we make about four hundred grand. So by the time you go for the prize money we got for getting through the third round, the TV money for this game, and the kind of rough expected gate receipts and commercial income and everything else that that's the kind of ballpark figure. You know, right. you, you, there, there's probably some costs associated with it that you can chip off, but it, it's it's around that sort of neck of the woods. Well, maybe United will do you a solid, and uh, there'll be a, a draw, and then you can uh, take it up to Old Trafford. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, you alluded to it earlier. Obviously, even the kind of ignorant amongst us will be aware that your your manager's been under pressure, and you've had a shift in ownership. Do you think that kind of adds to the pressure a little bit on Eric Ten Hag? You know, if people were to spring a surprise, would that potentially be like the final straw? You know how. How bad are things um, with the kind of manager situation? Well, United lost 14 games across all competitions before the new year. The only thing that has saved Eric probably from the chop is the fact that he also won a lot of games. There hasn't been a lot of draws this season. So there's that. It's just natural for a club of United's size and prestige if you lose that many games for the, the manager to be under pressure. Probably the thing that saved him. Given the other managers in recent times that have been sacked midway through a season, Mourinho, Oli, both both went in the middle of the season, is the takeover process. And the fact I think the Glazers probably didn't want to to chop the manager during the sales process. And now the fact that we do have new partial owners, Jim Ratcliffe or Ineos or Trawlers Limited, it's a 
there's some blurred lines between all these entities means he's also probably safe till the end of the season because I think they'll want to take a step back and see what is going on how much the the very lengthy injury list so 12 or 13 players at, at one stage has affected things versus whether he's just not able to get more out of this squad um, and then they'll they'll make a decision later towards the end of the season about whether it's the manager or not I have to say personally I look at what um, he's done this season the fact that he's not really been able to get more out of the players he's got and has been quite stubborn I think tactically yeah he wants to play a certain way hasn't got the players to do it well he's not gonna he's not gonna shift you know and find another way um, that has been quite frustrating. The in-game management has been weird. Some very weird substitutions. Persistence with um, uh, some players who underperformed for a long time. I mean, he seems to have a thing, as all United managers in recent times have seemed to have for Scott McTominay, which I have to say a lot of the fans don't quite get. Very sort of honest player. Like, you know he's going to work hard, but the quality isn't really there. But he's been in the team all the time, and it seems to very much disrupt United's sort of midfield patterns. So there's definitely questions. His judgment is another big one. And um, because he, he get he was given a lot of uh, power over transfers, which is unusual amongst elite clubs. You normally you have a sporting director who's quite powerful. John Murtar, United's sporting director is not really. And Ten Hag seems to have made all the picks and quite a lot of them haven't worked out very well, uh, including some very expensive ones, uh, like don't want to pick him out, although I am going to. Anthony, who cost 100 million euros, 80 million pounds or so, it'd been absolutely dreadful. I mean, it, yeah. it really does underline the difference between the clubs where, you know, Newport were talking about getting excited about 400k bonus for, for this game. And yeah, you yeah you, it's a drop in the ocean compared to some of the kind of transfer. Mind you, mind you, you're talking about like difficult financial situation and Hugh Jenkins have to take over United, £1.2 billion in debt. So, <laughs> well, well, here's a, here's a figure because the, the amount that, the, the black hole that was found in counties finance as well, someone was 1.2 million. So there's a difference. It's out of the order of magnitude between 1.2 million and 1.2 billion, I guess that, that probably tells us a, a story, yeah. The uh, the rewards versus the risks are, are, yeah, much more pronounced. So I'm I'm gonna finish Ed by asking you realistically what you expect is going to happen on Sunday in terms of prediction. Well, I think it'll be a pretty strong side from United, uh, just because well, it can't be anything else really. Um, and United have a tendency to play down to the level of our opponents. So, I, and I definitely don't mean that in a patronising way. I just think. I, I don't recall a match this season where we've actually outplayed significantly the opposition. So I don't expect this to be a blowout, even if there are four divisions between the teams. Uh, I would expect, I mean, obviously, you'd expect United to win and the quality should come through, whoever's in the team. But I don't I don't expect this to be a an absolute smashing. I, I just don't see this United team or personalities within it having that kind of killer instinct either. So... A, a comfortable but narrowish victory. There we go. Well, thank you very much for your time, Ed. Um, we hope that you have a, a miserable Sunday afternoon watching yeah. the game. But uh, other than that, good luck with the rest of the season. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ed. Excellent stuff. Thanks to no question about that, the United Podcast Boys, for helping us out with that preview. And we couldn't have a big preview episode like this without hearing from the podcast OG 
the originator, creator of 1912 Exiles podcast, Mr. Reese Warren. Reese sent us a voice note to discuss how we got past Eastleigh, Man United's current travails, and how we might exploit them next weekend. Over to you, boss. First of all, let me just say how relieved I am to see us come through that Eastleigh tie. I felt that after the first um, game, we had a lot more quality than them, and I'm glad it showed through in the replay. The early goal was a good settler, and from the commentary, it seemed though we were pretty comfortable throughout the majority of the game. So yeah, really pleased. Um, and it set us up for this fantastic opportunity to showcase our club on live terrestrial TV on the BBC um, against one of the most recognisable names in world football. It's a bit of a fairy tale story, really. One of the biggest budgets in, in the country, if not the world, playing the smallest budget in the top four divisions. It's a storyline even Hollywood would be jealous of. However, if there was a time to play them, it could be this season. Um They've looked vulnerable at times. This is their worst start since 1989. And they've struggled to create chances at the rate that you'd expect them to from a side like Man United. Done a bit of reading, thanks to The Athletic and Tifo. And where teams have been successful against them, um, and something we might try to emulate, is pressing high and forcing them to go long. Um, they like to play quite narrow through the middle. So if we can press them and force them to uh, get Anana to pump it long, um, I think Delaney and Clark are probably going to eat that up. The biggest threat uh, is likely to be the pace of their attackers, and they'll look to get in behind us if we leave space in between them and uh, try and get us in transition. But I do fancy us to nick at least a goal. Um, I can't wait for the atmosphere. Uh, got my ticket this afternoon. Just think back to those nights against Tottenham, Leeds, Man City and Leicester, and the atmosphere we can create. It's a real cauldron and... Uh, be intimidating for anyone to to visit so i really fancy us to get a goal overall um even if it turns out that they're too much for us after all isn't rasmus hoyland just a expensive knockoff of will evans well that about wraps it up for the big preview episode ahead of the united game keep all your tweets and messages coming in and i really hope you all manage to get hold of a ticket because let's face it if you listen to this podcast, then you really are an elite-level county fan, so you deserve your spot at Rodney Parade. Whatever does happen, though, let's make it a good and memorable day. Let's enjoy the occasion. Let's savour it. It might be a while before a game like this comes around again, and as always, stay safe, look after yourselves, look after each other, and above all, keep it county. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans